What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks. And today we are asking the question, should Milwaukee be afraid of anyone in the Eastern Conference? We know the standings have been tight all season long, but we are now close enough to try and figure out who the likely teams are that could be in a first-round matchup and then the pathway through the playoffs. So we've tiptoed around this topic a little bit over the last few weeks, but today we're going to get into it. And of course, uh, the Bucks have the Sacramento Kings coming up as well. So we'll touch on that game and perhaps reflect a little bit further on the return of Brook Lopez. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer! Bucks win I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me, as he does weekly, from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. For today's episode that is brought to you by Prize Picks, check out prizepicks.com. Just use the promo code NBA, or you can just go to the App Store and download the app today. That's Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, I should say. We'll have a bit more on that later. Well, thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. And I would say, uh, I always reference, particularly now we've been on YouTube for about five months now, but I would say it was a, a joyous comment section on YouTube after the game against Utah. The Bucks are breaking streaks. The Bucks are looking like the Bucks again with Brooke Lopez out there. And, uh, I mean, we, we can briefly touch on this, Justin, but... Uh, I don't know if you specifically remember watching the game in 2001 when the Bucks won. I do. But, well, well, there you go. But I, one thing I've realized is that when you get to our age, Justin, when you get a little bit older, I actually listening to a few podcasts when I was specifically told on these national shows that it was two decades since 2001. Uh, yeah. I know it should be <laughs> obvious to most people, but when you hear that laid out, that it was 21 years ago, 2001. It, it really does hit home. It is quite remarkable. Giannis has never felt it. Middleton's, none of these guys have. Yeah, Chris talked about it a little bit after the game. And um, it said, like, yeah, I, I've never won there before. I think even in his days in Detroit <laughs> with the Pistons, his day, basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he had never won there before. Giannis, there was a couple of times where it felt like, okay, the streak is going to come to an end. It was, what, mm. uh, two years ago? Um Three years ago, right? When, well, whenever it was, it started the win streak, the 18-game win streak, where they just had disastrous first half. And I think Giannis had three points. They trailed by 20 at halftime. And then they came back, and you thought, holy cow, they're going to win. And then Bogdanovich hits that game winner in the corner. Um, and it just felt too like if it didn't happen yesterday, it, it's just never going to happen. But if, if you're already celebrating that Brooke Lopez comes back and you don't win that game – then I don't know what to tell you. I do remember watching that game uh, because it was back in the days when not every game was televised and it was on, it wasn't even on cable. It was on local channels. I think it was channel 18 that it was on here in Milwaukee, but I remember it because it was the debut of Anthony Mason. So I remember tuning in thinking, I can't wait to see what Anthony Mason is going to look like. And, um, Little did I know that would basically be the high point of Anthony Mason's tenure 
in Milwaukee. But yeah, seeing the 2001 and, and all that stuff. And you think, like you said, like, holy cow, that's already 20 years ago, like way <laughs> off topic. I didn't watch the show when it was on, but um, The Shield, the old FX show, when I was in college, my roommate loved that show and he watched it all the time. So I was like, what the hell? It's on Hulu. I'll give it a shot and I'll start watching it. And, and the whole like everybody is tracking us and listening to us. All of a sudden I get feeds um, or stories popping up of, hey, here's an oral history of The Shield. So I read it and you think this started, uh, it premiered 20 years ago, whenever, like next week. And then you're just like, oh, my God, that's 20 years already. Well, uh, I did hear that Ray Allen after the Bucks uh, beat Utah in Utah back in 2001. He, started, he went back to the hotel room and watched The Shield. So there you go. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that ties it all uh, back to the start. Hopefully he didn't order a pizza either because he well, could have got know. the flu. So, well, yeah. yeah, well, that's exactly right. The Bucks are 43 and 26, though. And you know, depending on how you feel about the standings, it was a, a relatively important win. But I've been watching these other teams and everyone's talking about it. Wherever you go, people are talking about what should teams be doing in the Eastern Conference standings? Should they be trying to duck uh, another team? Now, I briefly brought this up with Frank at the end of yesterday's podcast and just said, do you suspect that the Bucs are not going to duck anyone based on what we saw last year with Miami? Uh, he said, no, he, he doesn't think so, even though there might be some resting of bodies and those types of things on back-to-backs, whatever it may be. He doesn't think they'll duck anyone? No. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. Uh, again, yeah. particularly now that the Bucs actually have the experience of winning a championship. And I must admit, I sit here and I say, geez, I, I, don't, I wouldn't really want to play Brooklyn in the first round and obvious that that's obvious I mean we watched tonight and Kyrie Irving had 60 points uh, admittedly against the Orlando Magic but 60 points is 60 points he's dynamic Kevin Durant we know we know all this stuff so I understand why you wouldn't want to play them but if you are the Bucks, I don't think that they would be sitting here saying well we better avoid this team I mean they're the defending champs and if there's one thing that we've learned here over the last couple of weeks, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road, they do believe that they can beat anyone. They do believe that they can match it uh, with any team. And they think that they have the best player in the NBA as well, which I would tend to agree with. So I don't think that they're going to be ducking anyone. And maybe this is just the most obvious question of all time. But who are you fearful of most? And if that is a one-word answer, which we all understand, then let's move down these standings a little bit and discuss these teams. Because quite honestly, I think... Seven of the eight teams could be a pain in the ass when it comes to a, a playoff series. Um, well, that's interesting. I didn't expect a number that high. Um, my biggest concern is, and I, I feel like it's going to happen too. My biggest concern is the Bucks are going to finish second and get the Nets in the first round of the playoffs. Um, look, I think we talked about it a week or so ago on this show, but Philly is clearly ducking Brooklyn that I think there's been a lot of gamesmanship and posturing already uh, going back to that game against Miami that the Sixers played where James Harden all of a sudden was resting in that game. I think Philadelphia wants no part of the two seed because they know that's in all likelihood means Brooklyn. So I think Philly is going to finish right around where they are uh, third in the Eastern conference. Miami's going to end up finishing with the best record. They have a fairly easy schedule remaining it's two games that you would have to make up, and I just don't see the Bucks or anyone, for that matter, catching Miami, even though two games isn't a lot. So I think one and two, I think it's going to be the the, the Heat and the Bucks. Philly's probably going to finish third, um, but 
I think so. Brooklyn is the team that that worries me the most in the sense that if you get the two seed and that's who finishes seventh, the concern is you have to go against Kevin Durant, and we saw what he did in a seven game series last year. So I still have PTSD over that. What's the worst um, he could do? What's he going to do? Put up a score even more? Is it possible? Yeah, he might have a sixty point game. Okay. Um, I mean, like the good news is it's only one guy in the backcourt that you have to contend with, so that makes it easier on a guy like Drew. The bad news is you don't have PJ Tucker to defend Kevin Durant, so it means guys like Chris and Giannis and even Drew they're going to have to help out and, and take him on there. Um, but the concern is I still think the Bucs would beat the Nets. But you're signing up then for, in all likelihood, a path that is Brooklyn in the first round, the Sixers in the second round, the Heat in the conference finals in all likelihood. And we kind of talked about it last year, but Miami just, you know, for all the concern going into that matchup last year, Miami was nowhere near that level. So it was one really difficult matchup you had, and then Giannis gets hurt against the Hawks. It could be just a bloodbath if that is the path that you have to take. So that's my concern and team that that I guess worries me the most in terms of what it means for what it would take for the Bucks to get out of the East. I still uh, I don't think worried is the right word. Um, Terrified. But, <laughs> well, Miami still concerns me because they. You know, everything we talked about with P.J. Tucker, they they can just play so many different ways. They have a guy that can score in volume off the bench. Um, I'm not anticipating a, a big addition in Victor Oladipo, but let's wait and see what he brings. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. And that defense, it, it's going to be just a pain to play that team in the playoffs. So of all the teams in the East, that's the team I'm really – concerned with taking Brooklyn out of it more than any other team, even the Sixers. Um, but your your number of uh, seven of the eight teams, it, it would be pretty tough to get through. You know, I think the team that has probably come on strongest and, and probably made a lot of people believers is Boston and what they've been able to do defensively. I think they'd be a really tough out. I understand the size that the Cavs have. I just don't think the Cavs, I don't know if that's one of the teams you're including, they're not going to be able to score in the half court in the playoffs. I think some of the things people pointed to with the Bulls, it's starting to come to fruition. I think the same to a lesser extent could be said for the Raptors. They're going to make it really tough defensively. They don't have a whole lot of half court scoring, though. And then, you know, teams like the Hawks, I mean, they seem like they're even worse than they were a season ago that the defense that played so well just isn't there. So I think there's maybe some, I would say there's really three to four teams that would make it more than a pain. Like this could be a very, very difficult series. And then you have a couple of teams that it just, depending on the matchup and depending on how their defense plays, it, it could be, holy cow, how do the Bucks drop two games to this team in the first round? But again, we hope that's the first round opponent and not the Brooklyn Nets. Well, you can find out which teams I think are going to be challenging for the Bucks next after I talk about prize picks. Man, I'm just turning into Greeny hosting the Locked On the Bucks podcast. This is incredible. But I tell you what, NBA fans out there, if you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA, then you need to try the award-winning app Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Uh, you guys know by now that I love Price Picks, and I know 
that you will too. All you have to do is pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Uh, It's that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals and you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store or Google Play. So as I mentioned, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to do this and the deal that we have is you're not going to believe it. This is an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our users. Users get 50 bucks for free if a player on your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Lockdown fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for 50 bucks for free if a player on your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Uh, that's prize picks daily fantasy made easy. Make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. And if you're listening to that today, after you're listening to Locked On Bucks, then you'll probably hear from our friends at Locked On Nets talking about Kyrie Irving and what he did. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies scored 135. There's a lot of scoring in the NBA going on right now. And the Suns blew out the Pelicans. The Suns just, they just keep on winning. So good for them. But listen to the Locked On Now podcast after Locked On Bucks. Now, so you mentioned, so the Cavs is the one team and I feel a little bit, yeah, bad for our friends uh, over in Cavs land. Central Division, fierce rivals uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. But they are the one team that I think, you know, probably at this point, if you are a Philadelphia, for instance, it's probably why they're eyeing off that three seed in particular because they think that they've got an easy path through. And it look, the Cavs have been great. There's no doubt about that. Been one of the more interesting stories or more, more unlikely stories, but they've had a bunch of injuries. I don't see that they are a team that's going to really cause any trouble uh, for the top teams. With the Raptors, it comes back to Nick Nurse. It comes back to the... They're just very unique with the lineups that they have. Obviously, Freddie's the the little fella out there. But other than that, sometimes all their guys are 6'8 and above. They, they defend multiple positions. And I don't think that the Bucks would lose to the Raptors, but I just think it would be a pain in the ass. But I will say this, if the alternative is playing Brooklyn in the first round, then yes, you would take Toronto. The interesting thing with this playing game uh, will obviously be the fact that, as it currently stands, uh, looking at the at the standings right now, uh, it would be in Toronto. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think that's going to change. That you know, as as hot as Brooklyn has been, I don't think Brooklyn's getting out of eight. That it's it's two well, two and a half games, two and a half, but it's three in the loss column to yes. the Raptors. And um, you know, we were kind of talking about this before. I don't think Toronto is going to finish seventh. I think they're going to keep climbing up there. Um, so I, I just don't see Brooklyn catching any of those teams. So I guess what you would cling to is, well, um, well, no, the, it, in Toronto, Kyrie wouldn't be able to play, but you know, you kind of, I guess, want Brooklyn to get up to seven. I just don't think it's going to happen because it means, and well, as we're seeing, nothing's changed yet. So no Kyrie, but even that discussion if you look at the teams that would be in position of playing in the play-in tournament, even without Kyrie, if you have Kevin Durant and enough role players around him, I'm taking the Brooklyn Nets over any of those teams that would finish seventh uh, in the Eastern Conference. I, I think so. And again, I don't think if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you should be. Uh, and I don't think that the Bucks care. If they play Brooklyn, they play Brooklyn, they'll deal with it and they'll believe that they can win. But 
everyone's talking about the Kyrie situation with New York, but no one's really talking about the Kyrie situation with Toronto. That's not going to change. But certainly, yeah. I mean, there's been no evidence to suggest that that's going to change in the next couple of weeks here before the playoffs. So that would be an interesting wrinkle. If the Cavs win enough games to stay in the six, Toronto stays in the seven, then the Raptors will probably give themselves a shot, particularly with the, the amount of bodies they can at least throw at Kevin Durant, that they could beat him in a one-off game at home. Why not? Why couldn't they do that? And then you've got Bucks and Raptors. Yeah. And then what also you have is PJ Tucker versus Kevin Durant in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. And I do think if you are a Bucks fan that's listening to this podcast and doing all the numbers, and I know that's that's what the fans do. They crunch the numbers, they look ahead at the schedule, they try and project what these playoff series would be. And I do think if you were a a Bucks fan, the one eight Miami Brooklyn matchup is exactly what you want. I think that's Perfect. the dream scenario. Well, I think the dream scenario is um Boy, it's either that or you finish third and Philly finishes second and you have Philly Brooklyn in the first round, like either of those two. But um, yeah, I mean, as I just said at the top that Brooklyn, we know it's going to be tough having to defend Kevin Durant. Miami's a team that I think is going to give the Bucs the best challenge. So that would take out those top two teams uh, in the East. So dream scenario, probably uh, in that sense. But uh, I, I just, you know, when you look at, the Eastern Conference here, um, it, it's everybody said it all throughout the year. But to your point of teams that would be difficult or make it a pain for the Bucks, there is no. You may have a sweep or a five game, a gentleman sweep against a team, maybe the Cavs, maybe even the Bulls, and the way we've seen them play in the uh, the second half of the season, or the Raptors. But it's not going to be like what they did to the Pistons, where you you sweep them and you win by a combined hundred points, like. You might win in five or four, but those are heavily contested games all the way through. That yes, on paper it says you won the series in five, but the the series was decided by something like seventeen points. You know, so I, I think that's what we're in store for, not just with the Bucks matchup, um, but with everyone's matchup. And man, it, the other thing I'd say is it, if Brooklyn ends up eighth, they don't win Game One of the play-in tournament, but they win the second matchup and they're the eighth seed. I am almost willing to guarantee next year there will be a tweak to the play-in tournament where the one seed gets to choose which of the two teams do they want to play in their first-round matchup. I've heard a little bit of this. I, I don't think that teams – I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know if teams want to choose their opponents. I think that's asking for trouble. I, I think it's asking – but the other thing is, look, I think if this happens – there's going to be the blowback of, man, this is like the most dangerous eight seed ever. I know the Knicks made the finals, but that was a weird year. This is far and away the most dangerous eight seed you've ever had to contend with. So I think there would be a movement for 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 something to happen with that. But when is this ever going to happen again? That there was obviously extenuating circumstances and, and things that put the Nets in that position. It was the year from hell, and you make a big trade midway through the season, the Kyrie situation. So you can't bank on a team like the Brooklyn Nets being in the play-in tournament every single year. But still, I, I think there would be some type of reaction to it of, well, this happened. We can't really penalize the one seed like this anymore. So maybe we give you the choice of which of the two teams you want to play. All right. Make sure you let us know in the comments on Twitter, wherever you can, uh, what what your approach would be to the last 13, 14, whatever. I can't even remember what the Bucks record is, but whatever it is. How many ever games? We've got 13 games left, I think it is. Whatever yeah. they have, 
Let us know what your approach would be. Let us know what you are uh, optimistic about or fearful of when it comes to the postseason. And uh, we'll continue to discuss that. And by the way, you guys would have noticed if you jump on YouTube, uh, I'm generally responding to most of the comments on there and we, we get into the chat and have some fun there. So if you haven't checked out YouTube, uh, make sure you do that. But I will say the most satisfying championships are built through a difficult pathway. And we saw that last year with the Bucks. But as for my hunger, that is satisfied with built bar, the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. Uh, we know they have endless flavors with built bar, whether it's mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. Uh, I mentioned the white chocolate cookies and cream that they got going on right now. So you can check them all out because uh, if there's one thing you know with built bar, if there's a flavor that they think might be good, uh, they're going to go ahead and get the job done. And it'll be delicious and it'll also be good for you as well. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Uh, compare that to other candy bars, and you're going to understand that this is the healthier choice for you with Built Bar there. So just go to built.com and scroll down and find all the information on flavors, dietary uh, stats and all that type of stuff. So you can just go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Well, we have a big game coming up tonight as well. And I, I mentioned this yesterday, but the, the time change has really completely thrown me off here. But it's it's a 1 p.m. Uh, start here for me, which I believe is going to be an, is that to an, a 9, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Yeah. Central Time uh, start for you guys over there. So you're going to be tired again. I'm not sure, and, and I don't want to doubt Frank, but you know, the, the After Midnight podcast after a Sacramento Kings game might be a, a little bit of a challenge. But look... The Kings, they just beat the Chicago Bulls here yesterday. Uh, who knows what could happen in this game? But we're going to talk about our old friend, Dante DiVincenzo. People that have been listening to this podcast for a while and certainly through the bulk of this season will know that I was pretty optimistic that he was going to be a guy that could that could still play and still have an impact for this team if he was able to stay healthy. We know that was the biggest challenge uh, with him looking back. And I look, we always look at guys that the Bucks have drafted and and you think about some of the high draft picks that they've had and and Thon Maker was one that they traded away and at the time I think you understood that the using the number 10 draft pick on that guy clearly didn't pan out but they got Nico Miritich in a trade that you thought could potentially help them for the playoff run it didn't so none of that really worked out even though I think at the time the trade was making the best of a of a not a great situation DJ Wilson another guy wasn't really working out with the Bucks, but they were able to trade him in a deal that won you a championship. Not the, the deal, but it was an important part that helped win you a championship. Now with Dante, another first round pick in recent years. They've made another trade at around the same period of time to hopefully impact the playoff run. And it's been Serge Ibaka, which uh, we all thought made some sense, even though I thought that maybe they would go to other areas to try and shore up the big man stocks, but we understood the reasons why there might be a need for an insurance move for the Bucks and why John Horst would do that. I've been on here the last couple of days saying that I don't know if Brooke Lopez stays healthy, how much you're actually going to get from Serge Ibaka now, just with the numbers crunch and the minutes crunch. We'll see how that plays out. But, you know, I always liked Dante, Justin, and I got a bit of flack for it. Bucks fans were like, why are you, why are you so optimistic about Dante? Why do you like this guy so much? But I think it was a shame it didn't work out. I would have loved to have seen that guy uh, remain healthy. 
Yeah, I uh, I think we kind of felt the same way about him. And, you know, I was a little early on. I, I didn't know a whole lot about him other than the NCAA tournament and what he did there. But um, I I gotten to know uh, one of the college basketball analysts for Fox Sports. And I remember talking to him that night about the Dante selection. Like, well, I don't really know much. I just know he scored a lot in the national championship game. Like, what do you think of this? Because we all saw the numbers and you saw like, well, he, he scores a lot, but maybe here's some of the flaws. And everybody that I heard from thought it was a great pick when the season started. First guy off the bench, as we have all been quick to point out that first game. But you just got a sense in hearing Bud and the rest of the coaching staff talk about him of they really like this guy. So what is it? I think for a lot of fans, they probably said, what is it that I'm missing here? And, and as you watched him, with some of the little things, and, and I think we just kind of assumed, okay, the areas he struggles with, those will come along and he'll start to refine his game. I don't know whether it was injuries or not, but it, it just never kind of rounded out where you would see spurts of it and you would see maybe you know 60 to 75% of what could be there, but it was still rough around the edges and he never refined those things. Um, and you know, ultimately that just led to, okay, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen here. And I think we probably hung on to that a little longer than maybe we should have. And, and the Bucks did longer than those other examples that you referenced in guys like DJ and, uh, and Thon. So, you know, he was an easy guy to root for and like too, that I think, especially after the, the failed trade for Bogdanovich, I think that kind of gained even more support for him that people were even more behind him. But man, that sucks that now he has to go back to that team and play. So let's cheer him on. Um, so that, I think that's the difficult part is it's still, potential that it's it, it may sound harsh but potential that just is unrealized right now and I think we're all keeping a watchful eye and, and waiting to see if Dante DiVincenzo can become that guy that certainly Bud and the rest of the coaching staff thought he would be um but you know I look I know this isn't the easiest thing to do and you can't it's not as simple as saying well if they would have only taken this guy but you can't help but point out the three-year stretch that the Bucks had and you know we've talked so much about when you're spending as much money on on marquee talent in the roster as the Bucks are, you have to absolutely have to hit it on your draft picks. And they just haven't, you know, that, yes, you, you got some of the guys, but really Malcolm Brogdon was the last guy outside of Giannis in that range that you can say, man, that was a really good draft pick that the Dante, uh, the draft where you took Dante DiVincenzo, you do have Grayson Allen on the team, but Grayson Allen was taking a few spots after him. Kevin Herter was taking a couple of spots after him. The year prior to that um, was, well, two years prior, the Thon Maker trade, it was don't or draft. It was Domas Sabonis that was taken uh, directly after him. And then uh, the DJ Wilson draft, it was John Collins that was taking a pick or two after him. So you see all these guys, you're like, man, this is what the Bucks were looking for. It actually came a pick or two later in this guy. I know it's not that simple because it's the butterfly effect of, well, if you take this guy, then maybe this doesn't happen. But I think that's the frustrating part too, where you see, okay, this is what they're looking for. And then a pick or two later, that player developed elsewhere with another team. Dante is averaging eight and a half points, uh, playing around 24 minutes per game. Uh, he's actually shooting 35% from three since he's been with the Kings. Obviously, uh, it's been a pretty small sample there, but uh, we can expect that he'll get some significant minutes tomorrow anyway against the Bucks, and I'm sure he'll be motivated. I mean, you pointed to the the trade situation, which would have been difficult for him to come back to Milwaukee. And quite honestly, I think 
the extension of Grayson Allen also would have been difficult for him. And we discussed it straight away and everyone thought, okay, what does this mean for Dante heading into restricted free agency? I'm sure he was very aware of it. He discussed it actually with a story with Eric, the fact that he he knows or perhaps he knew uh, what was coming there. And honestly, I, I think that he was probably okay with it. I think he was probably yeah. okay with, with moving on as well and trying to get another opportunity. So uh, he'll always be a guy that I hope uh, plays well uh, anyway moving forward. And I, I will just quickly say with the draft stuff that you're mentioning, Justin, I do think that the Bucks are going to be punished forever in the first round of the draft with all these mid-range picks because they got Giannis. If you get Giannis at 15, you are subject to 25 years of shitty draft picks. You've gotten more than enough if you get that guy at 15. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah, and I'm going to be curious to see that what Dante DiVincenzo gets in free agency this summer too because um, you know he was a guy before the injury last year. You could talk yourself into, well, he's probably going to get offers in the teens and high teens. John Hollinger, I remember, I think it was early the season, had the piece of like, I could see somebody offering him $20 million per year. I think what we saw – uh, the the length to come back from the injury and, and the guy that he's looked like since returning, I don't see that number happening. So I'm going to be curious to see, like, what is the open market value? Because I think we started to get an indication with the fact that, you know, Dante DiVincenzo and a guy that was starting for you and that the coaches loved, Serge Ibaka, you know, a, a rental of a big man who's also dealing with back surgery. That was what you got in return for Dante. So I think we did start to see a little bit of, how the league views him, but I'm going to be curious to see what his, his financials are in free agency this summer. Yeah, I think uh, I've mentioned on this podcast a lot. I always assume that providing that he came back and played and looked good, I thought he was going to be in that sort of 10 to 15 range. And again, people were like, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Why yeah. would you pay that money? But I just thought that if he came back and played again, because he'd been a, a good... A, people always get sucked into the idea of a guy that's proven to be a, a decent role player, can play on both ends of the floor and a contender that they can do more uh, for another team. Now, we might see here down the stretch that teams look at what he's done in Sacramento and think, eh, I don't really want to pay for that. And maybe the Kings end up keeping him uh, for a closer to the to the Grayson deal, or even maybe cheaper. Who knows? Yeah, We'll see uh, We'll see how that plays out uh, there. Make sure you're checking out the Locked On NBA podcast as well, the national podcast on the network. They'll have you covered with everything going on around the NBA. But this game in general... Uh, just as we wrap this up, just to again, I mean, we've spoken a lot about schedule tonight, potential records. I think that the Bucs have been on this run now, beating so many good teams that we assume that the Bucs are back. They're not going to go through difficult nights or whatever it may be. And the personnel certainly looking uh, a lot stronger than it has for much of the season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but they have this game against Sacramento where you think that they could probably win. But then after that, to round out the month, you've got Chicago. Uh, Washington again is a game. That, oh, sorry, you got Minnesota, which Minnesota, yeah. which by the way is a team that's playing really, really well at the moment. That's going to be challenging at the end of a road trip. Then you have uh, Chicago, as I mentioned, Washington, a game that you should win. But then you finish the month with Memphis, Philadelphia, Brooklyn. So, you know, admittedly, Brooklyn and New York, but still, uh, this is uh, going to be a, a tough finish off uh, to the month here. And they've done better than we could have imagined, Justin. But it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, um, I don't know if it was just blind optimism, but I did feel pretty strongly and said it on a couple of our broadcasts and shows. Like, it's an incredibly tough schedule, 14 games in March, nine on the road. I think eight games 
seven or eight games in March alone against teams that at the time were in the top six in the NBA, in three in the East and in three in the West. But I just had this feeling of, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but I think they're going to win at least 10 or 11 games here in March. And, and here they are, six, uh, five and one, six and one, whatever it is. Um, six and one if they win tomorrow or today against the Kings, which they absolutely should. And you're halfway through the month with, with that type of record, with one somewhat difficult stretch, albeit without the guys that played for Phoenix earlier in the month. But uh, that what you ran through and how it closes out, that is the most brutal stretch that we have seen this season and that I can remember the last couple of years, even with, with no Kyrie in New York. Philadelphia is going to be motivated. We think uh, that's another one. Keep an eye on. Does Philadelphia want to win that game <laughs> if the Bucks are, are you know tied or very close to them in the standings? Uh, but that Memphis game, they just keep rolling through teams. And I mean, even this weekend, like you just pointed out too, don't sleep on the Timberwolves. The three hottest teams in the league have been the Mavs, the Bucks, and the Timberwolves. So they got a lot of difficult opponents and, and stretches out there. But you know, a, a couple of us had kind of talked about maybe this is a good thing for this team that you play a difficult schedule going into the playoffs to kind of help tune you up because as we mentioned, it's not going to be like playing Orlando or Detroit in the first round anymore that you're going to be tested early. So getting schedules like this now, it's probably better to play this now than it is to play it in December or earlier in the year. Well, if the Sixers do decide to rest some players in that game, it will bring back memories of a few years back when the Bucks lost by, uh, a lot, let's just say, late in the season, playing a, a game in Philadelphia there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens down the stretch. By the way, for those people that care about this type of thing, and I know some fans really do, uh, the Bucks would have to finish 7-6 and six, uh, to have a 50-win season. So we'll see. We'll see. I know that matters to some people. It is a milestone that is generally significant for teams that are, uh, uh, that are looking to win the title. So we'll see, but we'll be back. After the Kings game, I'm, I mean, I'll be back. I, I don't know uh, who I'm going to be able to drag onto the podcast late night podcasting uh, Milwaukee time, but I'll figure it out. I'll be here. We'll talk Bucks and Kings. Uh, like I said, let us know uh, in the comments, wherever it is, uh, what you think of what we've discussed today and what you think the Bucks should do down the stretch. And then uh, we'll be back after the game. So for Justin and myself, catch you guys tomorrow.